Hello everybody and welcome to Brubagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. Today is a super exciting day for several reasons. I'm going to talk to you about that in a bit. I just want to say first of all thank you for listening to the podcast as every week. And remember that if you want to support me, just you need to subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. This would be the best thing for me in order to climb up the charts. You can do as well something similar also to Spotify. Probably you cannot rate and review, but for sure you can subscribe and then receive every week the alert that a new episode is coming. I want to say thank you also to Andy Kessler and Open for supporting me with this season and with helping me climbing the all the climbs, all the dirty roads with the amazing Open Up. And please tune on opencycles.com and you will find there a couple of new initiatives that Andy put in place and all the open up team, sorry, all the open team put in place for supporting uh, charities and something similar. You will find something like a lineup of t-shirts and kits that will support different charity organizations. Really, go there, it's pretty important. Down below, you will find the links on it. And I think that the t-shirt that Cento Canesio designed, it's really, really, really sick. It's really nice. I'm gonna order one pretty soon. Truly believe that. Um, what else? Yeah, I'm excited for two different reasons. First of all, is because just today, I'm talking about 11.05 of... Whoa, Tuesday the 7th of July, I just received my brand new broom wagon kit. Everybody around in Italy just got it before. For me, it was a bit more of time because Simon had to ship it to me and it arrived and it's really red, really, really, really red. I'm pretty stoked on trying it out probably this afternoon. I think that the best way to try it out is with a road ride, but I think I'm gonna use the both of them. And on top of that, I'm gonna put also my um, baggy pants and I'm gonna go out for a gravel ride this afternoon, probably with me and my friend Lucas, who just recovered from the Hop 1000 ride that he did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I will let you know. You will find everything on the social media. Calamaro CC, just tune there. And there is a brand new uh, Instagram account and is Broomwagon Club. Also there you will find a lot of cool things. Inclusive Cycling Club. That's the headline of our team of people riding together with these amazing kits. So stay tuned and you will find something over there. We talked about Hope 1000. Excitement number two. Yes, I've been trying to um, meet and talk with the guest of today since a bit of time, and I was following her pretty, pretty close into her adventure of Hop 1000. I'm talking about Emma Pulley. Yes, well, we are trying to have an interview together since a long time, but she's really busy with work. I was really busy with work. I was really busy with riding. She's way more busy with bicycling, sorry, cycling and running a lot. So we didn't have time so much. But then at the end of Hope 1000, amazing adventure for her, uh, she just contacted me saying, look, I would love to tell the story of the Hope 1000 2020 and on my adventure there. Why don't we make it together on the broom wagon? And that's what we have done. Listen to the episode, it's gonna come in one second and you will hear that I was kind of 
nervous. Excitement, something like positive nervous, nothing super nervous. And then she says, uh, she doesn't buy it. And uh, it, she doesn't, really, she doesn't. She's a lovely, lovely guest. She's a lovely person. We talked about a lot of things. And we really go together in a lot of spirits for cycling. So I really, really recommend you to keep on and listen to our interview and our lovely chat that we made it happened last week and there is also a small announcement at the end i just give you something like a sneak peek now if you are a photographer food photographer or whatever pro photographer emma needs some help on uh, a book that she wants to prepare so probably she has some uh, something to do with you and uh, a job that you can get in order to take picture of super amazing food i will leave everything here the shout out is going to be at the end for now have a good listen I can say that today I'm a bit, I don't want to say nervous, but probably it's the first time that I'm interviewing a, a world champion, a world champion, and this is kind of thing, probably we're not going to talk so much about it. Anyways, I'm going to make it short because I started sweating because I'm really nervous. Hi Emma, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks Stefano. You don't need to be nervous, I don't bite. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. I don't know, because you have all the time you're kind of scared that you're going to make a wrong move, you're going to say something that is not correct and stuff like this. And since you're doing, I don't know, I don't want to make a mess, actually. And I will probably start <laughs> making a mess with mispronouncing properly your name. Uh, so, you wouldn't be the first one. <laughs> okay, I'm okay with that. Let's try, let's try. Let's try, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm today here. I think you understood it already from her voice. I'm here today with Emma Pouli. That's a very good pronunciation of my name. Thank you. Yeah, That's I normally perfect. say poulet like chicken because then people just say poulet and that's close enough and it it, it accurately describes my descending style as well so <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's true that i thought it was a legend that you were not super comfortable in the downhills well we'll probably get onto it but i used to be the worst like probably the worst in the world certainly the worst in the professional road cycling peloton because i was i had some crashes and i was scared and i basically had a phobia um i did I have got a lot better. So I really love descending now. But off-road, it's still, um, you know, mountain biking and gravel riding. It's still the thing that is holding me back, probably. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm still a bit of it. I still would, I value my elbows and my knees. <laughs> okay, perfect. Then, you know what we have to do then, Emma? We need to yep. go once uh, for a ride together. We are not so far yes. away to each other because I need really to know a couple of tips how to get better on the descents because I'm really the worst. Once I remember that okay. I sent a, a message to a friend of mine telling him, you know what, I was on a trail, I was going downhill and one guy running overtake. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so uh, it happens really often that people walking yeah. are overtaking me and it's not that bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I know but, the feeling. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I feel comfortable with that. I'm also slow in the down the uphill, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's nothing. I, you're super good in uphill, but you're really bad in downhill. No, no, I'm bad in the both of them, so it's fine. Oh, I think you're being modest. <laughs> no, of course not. So actually, yeah, uh, Emma Polly on the microphone. So let me put some stuff one on top of the other and let me list uh, this thing. So you are a cyclist. We are a duathlete, a triathlete, a trail runner, bike packer, writer, coach former presenter you are an engineer uh probably it's better that you give us a bit of intro about yourself because i don't want to mess up something like the recipe should be <laughs> really well made I, I i'm talking about recipe you're also really good in baking they told me so well very very niche baking i should say um, okay. yeah i'm 
I'm a I'm a human who loves doing sport. Um, I'm not very good at coordination, like throwing and catching things. So the sports I ended up doing were running. Um, when I was a kid, I love running. It's my first love. Um, I got injured running as a student uh, when I was studying in Cambridge, studying engineering, and um, got injured. And then I took up cycling just to cross train. I didn't I didn't really want to cycle, to be honest. Um, I I just did it because I, it was the only thing available. Um, I got bored of swimming and, and I just needed to cross train. And, um, but it, it turned out to be, uh, a, a good, a, a good sport for me, I guess. So, and I, uh, I ended up road racing backs and it was never my intention to be too serious about the cycling, but I ended up, I guess, being, being okay at it. And, and then I just progressed and, um, with no, no intention to be pro or anything. And so I ended up, being a pro cyclist for a few years alongside working um, I was still working as a as a researcher at ETH Zurich for most of the years I was racing professionally um and, and so now people know me as a as a cyclist but the funny thing is I don't think of myself as a cyclist obviously I do cycle I love riding my bike but it doesn't define me and the thing I love is being outside and um preferably in mountains but away from traffic and in you know, with uphills and if possible, a cake stop or a coffee stop. And, um, and the, the pro cycling thing was, it was a, it was an interlude that I'm grateful for, but it, it's not, it's not my main thing. So I, um, yeah. And I also, I love eating because I love doing sport and you've got to eat if you want to, if you want to run up mountains and down mountains. And, um, yeah, I've developed a, a niche series of recipes I'll tell you about later if you like. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I would love to. Actually, uh -huh. no, I think that we have a common friend and uh, it's Jan that today I think is cycling. Yes, he's cycling some crazy loop to his grandmother's birthplace. Yeah. Yes, yes, he's doing. I don't know. Actually, I follow him today and seems like he has been around three or four passes already and he's yeah. going to go till the Stelvio pass. So, yeah. Yeah, I am super envious. I want to. I want to be there doing it, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And see, so actually, he was writing in the social media that today he's gonna use one. Actually, he's gonna eat one of his bars made yeah. with one of your recipe on top of the Oberald pass. So. No, I think they're actually ones that I made. I gave him some of, really? like a month ago. He put yeah, he put them in the freezer to keep them. And it's a bit of a shame because I would have made him some fresh ones, but I, I didn't <laughs> have the chance to get them to him. So. Yeah, um, yeah, they're pocket porridge. They're called the little. They, I make these. I'll, I'll tell you about them. They're uh, like um, it's oat based, so it is basically just baked porridge that you can take in your pocket, uh, cycling or running in your rucksack. Um, and they're super healthy. It's ba the basic recipe is just oats and yogurt, and you can use vegan yogurt if you prefer. Um, and that sounds really like really boring, but actually, even the plain ones are really tasty. Okay. They're very wholesome. They like they're real food. Um, and I've invented all these variations. Like I've got carrot cake ones and I've got chocolate peanut butter ones. So I do mm. jam tarts and donut ones and ones with fruit in them and, um, and cakes and, and as well as a chocolate brownie version, which is really good. And, um, so basically it's like a healthy, they're delicious, but healthy and, and they're great fuel for, for riding. Um, and you feel like you're eating real food. Um, yeah, I've, I, just, I just love I love creating recipes and they, like thinking about what flavors go together. And the ones he had today, I think they were the uh, like Birchia muesli ones. So with some, like, some fruity yogurt and some berries in and a bit of lemon to add a bit of freshness. Um, yeah. Wow. But I think he probably had to eat some more than that because it's a big ride he's doing today. It's true. <laughs> but actually he sent me a couple of pictures as well that actually was kind of baking stuff 
a few days before starting. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. think he has a good warehouse in his pocket. Yeah, so I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, that's great. So, anyways, we can find actually your uh, recipes if we go to Pocket Porridge, right, on Instagram. You can't find the recipes, no, because mm. I am writing a book, and mm. uh, <laughs> and so the recipes are they're not, they're not secret. But I want to. I've been wanting to write a book for a while. Um, I've been wanting to write the recipe book, really, but I'm. I realise no one's going to buy a recipe book written by a random cyclist, so I'm putting some anecdotes in about, yeah. And I don't want to write an autobiography, but maybe some stories from the good old days and and some of the silly adventures because I've got lots of stupid stories. And so it's going to be a mixture of kind of of anecdotes and recipes. And the, the, the like the thing about this this pocket porridge stuff is it's super easy to make at home. The ingredients are cheap, um, it uh, and it's super easy. Like if I can bake it, anyone can bake it, and it's. Um, and it really tastes good. It, it's um, it's not complicated. So I, I want people to be able to bake them at home, so they don't need to buy crazy expensive cereal bars and stuff because energy bars are expensive. And yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait actually to see this book and to have it on my hand in my hands. <laughs> really. Well, I'll let you know. I need to get writing. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more from the anecdote for the anecdote. Sorry for that. That's from the recipe recipes itself because recipes yeah. you can find them around. But I think that the anecdotes yeah. are going to be pretty special. Yeah. Honestly, come for the anecdotes, but stay for the recipes. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. recipes are so good. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm so proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about anecdotes, Don, I just want to start from the beginning. How actually bicycle, you told us a bit of the radio day beginning, but how did bicycle got popped up into your life? Um, yeah, so my, my I, I got injured, I think I was 20 or 21, and um, I borrowed a road bike from a friend. And I had a mountain bike anyway, but I was yeah, where where I was studying, there wasn't great mountain biking. So I borrowed a road bike and did some time trials and rode with the, the university club. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it. Like I was cold the whole time. I didn't have decent cycling shorts. I didn't have the right shoes. The bike really did not fit me. The saddle was a nightmare. Like I hated cycling. I'll be honest. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and, um, okay. and, 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 but, it, but it, the, the reason that I stuck with it is, it's not because I wanted to race or be, pro or anything it's just because I had the support of people around me so in the university club there were friendly people guys and girls um who who just you know they they saw a fellow human who wanted to get into cycling and they gave me a bit of advice and they helped me learn how to fix punctures and said oh have you thought of trying this saddle or maybe you know come to this race with us and um and that's why I think that the community in cycling is so important because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have got into cycling if it was just about racing and being fast and power meters. I didn't have a power meter in until, until like, I think I had a power meter on my regular road bike. I didn't have a power meter for five years. Wow. So I did five years. of Yeah. I had one on my, on my training time trial bike in 2008, but that was it. Like, I, you know, so what I'm, yeah, the thing that got me into cycling was cafe stops and friendly people. Um, and, and then, and then of course it's fun to feel like you're improving and learning in a sport. And, and challenging yourself, I think that's important. Like, I, I really felt like it was hard. And I enjoyed the feeling of, like, pushing my limits and getting better. So I do these group rides. We call them chain gangs. But in German, you call it sort of like Belgische Kreisel. So these kind of fast rides where you all ride as a group and you have to try and hang on as long as possible. And um, the first day I finished the chain gang in Cambridge, I was so proud. Like, it was probably, I still think it was probably the greatest achievement of mine on a bike to get around this ride with guys riding really fast. I had no clue what I was doing. And um, and I think what it trained was not just physical strength, but also kind of like stubbornness. Like, I will not get dropped. I don't want to get dropped. And 
when I started racing, I did, I did uh, a little local race, a, a, like a three-day stage race, um, and then I went to the national championships. So this is all the first my first summer on a on a road bike, and went to the national championships. And I had no clue that Nicole. I didn't know who Nicole Cook was. I didn't know who Rachel Heal was, or and all these pro riders. And I just the break went on a hill. And I was like, oh, I can't I can't get dropped. So I just hung on. <laughs> I had no clue. Like if I'd known, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. You know, I shouldn't have been able to hang on, but. Um, it was kind of fun because it was, it was a, like it was just this kind of ignorance was was a, was an advantage. So yeah, I came fourth, I think, in my first national championships, and then I got recruited for a cycling team. And so I yeah, I got I got into um, got onto a team at the same time that I moved to Switzerland for my for my job. So I did I did a PhD at Etihad Zurich, um, and that was a bit stressful because then I was trying to race in Belgium, work in Switzerland, travel overnight on the train. Uh, and I didn't enjoy the racing because it, it was all um, it was all like elbows and lots of people in a peloton, and I never I was really stressed in the peloton, and um, so I, I didn't I didn't carry on with the racing until uh, about a year later when I I spent the winter in Australia doing loads and loads of cycling just for fun, and came back and I was much fitter. And I got on a Swiss team, a small local team, really friendly, and they um, they took me to hilly races, which was much more my thing. So. I mean, basically, as a pro cyclist, I was never, ever any good in the peloton. I was just always scared. But I I was okay at climbing. Um, in fact, I got pretty good at climbing, I guess you could say. I, I would was, say, yeah. For a, while, I, for a while, I was good at climbing, and um, that was my thing. I was also shit at descending, as I said, so I had to <laughs> I had to learn to descend. But, you know, you know, I, I learned, and I, I made loads of progress that I'm quite proud of in retrospect. Like, um, you know, it's not easy to take on your, the things you're scared of, and... Um, and so I'm kind of proud of that, and um, yeah, and and um, and that was all while working. Um, and one thing led to another, and I ended up uh, did a few years full time. Uh, yeah, you know, but that was my only job. Um, but I have to say that I I always felt like a bit of an outsider in road cycling because I always wanted to do other things. Like I wanted to go running, and I wanted to go into the mountains at weekends but you had to go and do intervals or you had to rest for the stage races and our stage races and I mean the women's road cycling scene is is getting so much more attention now which is great and there's so many more people watching the races but the the races are still you know we don't have the same race calendar as the men and I wanted to race the Tour de France I wanted to race a a full Giro with like seven days in the mountains our Giro would have maybe three days in the mountains <laughs> and and for me that was just a bit disappointing and and so um I'm, I'm glad I did it but I have to say it was um I'm also glad that I stopped and I almost think I should have stopped sooner because um I it was a pretty stressful time with you know all the shouting and peloton and crashing and stuff and <laughs> yeah but you have still some good memories for the pro time right oh or... yeah hugely and I learned so much and the, I think the thing that you know the the thing that really stays with you is the, the friends you make along the way, yeah. and um, you know, and and you meet people that otherwise you wouldn't meet in in normal life, and and you you learn things about yourself. Like you know, it, there were really it's, cycling is a really tough sport, and I think um, there are things you have to endure, like just like just like the, the the kind of pain of racing hard that you have to endure. That is, it's good training. <laughs> um, you know, I, nowadays I think when I'm on a bikepacking event and it's kind of I'm tired I'm like this is so much less stressful than the start line of a Giro <laughs> stage this is so much better <laughs> so yeah lots of good memories and lots of good friends and um yeah so yeah I don't regret it but 
I'm happy now to do other things for sure. Yeah, perfect. Now I really like actually the point that you're stressing so much uh, because it's something that I can really feel really common for all the people that feel the cycling like I do, like you do, I can understand. It's really the social part. So something like being yeah. part of the community, being really surrounded by like-minded people that like yeah. riding the bicycle, whatever. Of course, yeah. we're all different. Somebody likes a bit more to get into numbers and power meters. Somebody else likes a bit more to drink some more coffee and stuff and enjoy things but really the community yeah. probably the most important thing right yeah exactly yeah mm -hmm. perfect and this is the great thing because otherwise you know i'm talking with you like you i was expecting also that you name ah yeah that time that i won i don't know the stage uh le grand boucle or that time that i won this other stage of giro del trentino or the time that i was world champion or whatever but the cool thing is that comes out from you all the passion of yourself riding more than just yeah the thing that you scored yeah. The thing I learned over the years, and I mean, obviously, I like winning races, and I'm 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 so grateful for the races I won. Because, and it is about you have to be grateful because you know what, there is so much luck in bike racing. You have to be so, excuse my language, you have to be so fucking lucky to win a race because yeah. there's so much that can go wrong. And you know, I had my share of crashes, and um, and and and, but you learn to to really value the. You've got to learn to value the, the journey. And I, the best coach I ever had said to me, it's about the journey because you could do everything right in cycling and still never win a race because of bad luck or crashing or whatever. And, and so what I learned was that, yeah, the, the enjoying the, the process is really important. And I think my happiest memory, I mean, I've got so many happy memories from cycling, but most of them are from training, from training rides with friends, like the crazy days when you did more than you thought and you got super hungry and you bonked and you couldn't find a coffee and you had to eat a shitty sandwich or <laughs> but I think that probably if you had to say the one like the golden memory is probably the um if it was my birthday in 2010 and I my birthday is in early October and that year the world championships was a bit later because it was in Australia and mm -hmm. I had won the time trial in Geelong sort of five days before four days before or something but I couldn't really celebrate because we had the road race afterwards and I had to help my teammate try and win and So it wasn't, I mean, obviously it was really nice to win, but the day, the day after the road race was my birthday and we'd gone to bed a bit too late. Like we'd stayed up having pizza and wine. And then I got, I got up with my best friend, Sharon, and she loved riding early in the morning. We were the two crazy ones on the team that we, everyone just thought we were these idiots for getting up so early. And we were in, we were sharing a room anyway. So we got up early at dawn in Australia, which is crazy early. And, um, we rode along the coast, um, and stopped for a really nice coffee and a piece of cake somewhere in some cafe. And Australia does great coffee, so and an amazing coffee. And um, and she, we just had this relaxed ride where this the race season wasn't quite over, but you know it was just and that was a, like the golden light of the morning. And um, yeah, and and great memories of this friend Sharon who who's passed away since then, sadly. And so for me, it's uh, it's quite that's probably the the, the golden memory that um, I like to hold. Yeah, that's perfect. Really, really like it. And yeah, so let's put on one side this big chunk of your uh, cycling life that was your pro time. Let's move straight forward or better. Let's move further on what happened <laughs> last year when it was your actually first experience with your first bikepacking event. And I'm talking about the further that is Oscar yep. is organized by Camille Macmillan. Hi, Camille, by yep. the way, how are you doing? How was the <laughs> <I> process? <laughs> how was Bonjour, the process? Camille. <laughs> Camille. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, how was the process? How did you start? And how did you decide, okay, let's take part to this? It was, by the way, it was really a premiere. It was a really, it's, it probably is a unique experience, the further. I remember that I yeah. talked with Camille directly um, on this podcast, actually presented me the idea. It was a bit more of a rally than a race with all the things yeah. around. But it was, I think it was super cool from what I read. I was in Kyrgyzstan at that time. But you took part in it. And how was it? Well, yeah. So I thought it was a rally. And I feel a little bit like I was conned because <laughs> I only went because to that event because my friend Catherine, who I, who I know from GCN days, Catherine Moore, um, she's awesome. She basically encouraged me to get into bibbing and sort of a bit more cyclocross and off-road riding when I was, when I was at GCN and feeling a bit, a bit uh, fed up of the road cycling scene and this obsession with doing it like a pro and all the, all the kind of showy offy exclusivity of road, road cycling can be, it can feel a bit exclusive sometimes. So Mm -hmm. she got me into like school night bivy club, which was meant one night a week we would camp out and, and like, yeah. And, 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 um, and she said, Hey, this guy, well, she said, Camille is organizing this event in the Pyrenees. You should come and do it. It's a rally. And I thought, oh, I don't know who Camille is, but she sounds awesome. I didn't know Camille was a guy. I thought it was a man. And um, so I signed up, and so did she. And and then it turned out that it was a race, and Catherine decided not to race it. And I was like, what? This is, now I'm stuck in this race? I didn't even want to race. And I was I'm desperately trying to get out of it, basically. And I had also persuaded an Australian friend of mine to come over. And, well, she was in Europe anyway, and just an ex-pro. She's an amazing cyclist. And she was like, what what is this thing you've made me do? This sounds really dangerous. And um, she's never bivvied out before in her life. And so I turned up at the start line just really clueless. Um, and, and I was really nervous because, as like I said, I didn't want to race. I just wanted to go and ride around the mountains a bit and have fun and eat, you know, eat cheese and drink wine. And and I got there and then the people were just so nice. Like we, we met at this place called Zero Neuf, which is a sort of uh, cycling base, um, like cycling holiday base just before the Pyrenees and and I arrived all nervous in a hire car having had a long train journey and and there was just the people were just so nice like all these these amazing famous legends of bike packing super welcoming they're all drinking beer eating cheese it was so different from road cycling where everyone you know no eye contact eat your pasta drink your water and and it was so relaxed and so friendly and I felt um I felt very very welcome um and I felt like, I don't mean this in an in insulting way at all, but I felt like everyone is a bit weird in, in these off-road races because <laughs> you have to be a bit crazy to go off and ride, you know, create and ride and hike up mountains on your own um, for days on end. And, and they all, you know, you have to be, you have to be smart and self-sufficient and able to survive. And, and I felt, you know, I'm, I'm a bit weird and I felt like I fitted in. <laughs> it was really nice. So. So I set off on this thing. I had a mechanical after 20K, which took me ages to fix because I'm an idiot. And, and I didn't, I don't really know that. I'm learning, I'm learning. But, you know, bear in mind, I had, for years I had a mechanic sorting my bike out. So sorted out the mechanical and then just rode my backside off on the first day to get over. There was a section we could only do in daylight because it was it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I got over it just at sunset. Run. I had, you know, I mean, I was so unprepared. I had one bottle cage. I had 500 mils of water in the heat. Uh, I had to stop about 10 times to fill up my bottle that day. And, um, and I, and then night fell and, and it, and I, um, I got this new lease of energy. I basically, I rode until two in the morning and then I fell over standing up because I fell asleep and it was just, I had no clue what I was doing it further, but all I knew was that I was really enjoying it. Like I was, it was an adventure. I was pushing my limits. Um, 
I was happy because it was just so simple that it was just the, just like you just move forward, find some food, find some water, um, keep moving forward. And I didn't think very much. And I just, I kind of, I was just kind of happy. And I, I thought, felt like I'd kind of found my sport. Um, and then plus that race had loads and loads of hiker bike. Because uh-huh. Camila put all these super steep sections in. And um, because of the running and because last year I had a stress fracture in my femur, I couldn't do much flat running. When I got back into running, I was running uphill, doing these Berglauf uphill races. So um, the kind of running I did lots of was running up crazy steep hills. And it's not that different to hiking uphill really fast with a bike on your shoulder. And I didn't take much kit because I didn't know what to take. I didn't have a tent. I just had a sleeping bag with me, basically, and mm-hmm. some repair stuff. Um, I mean, again, massively underprepared, nowhere near enough food. But I wouldn't have died. I just I just got hungry. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think I, in the end, I did I did win, but only because a few people got, got sick and because of all this crazy steep hiker bike, which is basically the sport I was born for, is hiking up a hill with a bike on my shoulder. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was really good fun. And I got the bug and then I, I sort of, I finished further and I was talking to some of the other, um, like I was talking to Lee Craigie and Emma Ossington and Josh Ibbett about all these other races. And I was just so excited and I wanted to do everything this year, like the Tour Divide and Italy Divide and and the Hope 1000. Um, I realised that there's no way you can, you know, like with a normal job, you can't do all these events. There's, you know, you just don't have the time to travel. And so I, and anyway, I've, they're exhausting so I've moderated my ambitions a bit but I'm still I love it it's really fun okay okay perfect so first of all we have to say I have to make a couple of shout outs here because you named a lot of people that I know so you named Matt Zero Neuf so hi Matt yeah how are you doing and then (laughs) Catherine Moore Hi, Catherine. How are you doing? I really love this kind of thing. You know, you talk, you go, you are meeting all the time the same people. The community seems like really a small village. We know each other. We know everybody. There was also a lot of friends of mine that were taking, they were making actually the further. And everybody told me really, and that's exactly a confirmation that I'm getting from you, that it was really one of the a unique, one of a kind kind of race, one of a kind kind of community came there, one of a kind event itself. And it seems like everybody had a lot of fun over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. And and then, as you were saying, it's not bad. Actually, at the first event, you didn't know what you were facing. You were going to face. You didn't know. Actually, Catherine hooked you up and then left you there without yeah. coming as planned or whatever. Well, she, but she did, she did. She did come. She came to the rally and uh-huh. and and she was there. At, I mean, she would have. She would have been fine doing the actual event. But I can understand why she had a stressful summer. She didn't, she didn't want to race, but. The hug she the hug she gave me at the end of that event was the, one of the best hugs of my life, and um, I needed a hug, and I was so happy. She was, um, yeah, she's a real inspiration to me. She's, um, yeah, she's awesome, Catherine. If you don't follow her on Instagram, guys, you should all follow her. She's full of interesting information, and she's very she writes really really well. Absolutely, she writes really well, and actually, she comes out with also super amazing topics all the time. I remember that we talked on this podcast about periods and bikepacking. That it was actually yes, an article that she wrote important. on bikepacking.com. Yeah. It's it's really great topics. There are a lot of great topics that she actually writes and talks about, and actually, she has also an amazing podcast. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to her, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned a lot of things, but I want actually maybe uh, to listen to you repeating it. What do you bring with you after the further? And what, how actually you change and how you, I don't know, got to experience a bit more something similar and you decided to experience a bit more something similar after the further. So you got in into the bikepacking scene. 
in thanks to the further and then from there what happened into your mind why which one were the project after that and the um, i mean i should i should say that i i mean I, i was already a bit into cycle touring um cycle touring is the old-fashioned way of bikepacking cycle touring is not cool and somehow bikepacking is cool but i'd already been bike touring by on the road bike um the thing that further i think showed me was how awesome it is going off road and uh -huh. trying to stay away from road so And, and and a bit being a bit more wild about it and i think um what it taught me is that cycling can be i think i think it it got me away getting away from the road is kind of important for me because when i ride on the road i compare myself to the the days when i raced and it, you know the comparison fitness wise is is always going to be um disappointing <laughs> because 10 years ago i was world champion and now i am really not <laughs> obviously i'm not and and that's you know that's that's totally normal but it's also sometimes people are always reminding you of it like oh you know you're not as fast as you used to be and Strava keeps telling you that oh you're not as fast as you used to be but now you know with I I, I um I didn't on my on my gravel gravel or off-road bike I prefer not to have a power meter so I I don't want to see the numbers you know what I don't give a shit about the power meter uh, it's it, um and I don't give a shit about I mean, I do care about TSS, but what I found is that riding off-road without a power meter, without doing intervals, you get super strong because you've got to power up steep climbs, you've got to ride all day, you don't necessarily find a cafe when you want one because you're in the middle of nowhere. And I realized that I could have all the physical challenge that I do still want because, yeah, like I said, I like eating cake and croissants and cheese, and that means that I should do some exercise. And so I get all the physical challenge without the mental stress of like, oh, this is training. It doesn't feel like training to go and just ride and kind of and explore with friends. Um, it feels tough, but it feels like exploring and it feels like adventure and it feels like fun. And I mean, I'm not saying riding on the road can also be fun, but so often it's um, it, it's my own problem that I kind of feel like, It's, it must it should be training if I ride on the road and and so I think for me it just it's become more playful and I think I try and be make I want, I want things to be physically challenging and mentally fun I mean not not easy necessarily because it is tough to ride all night or get up at 3 a.m to ride it or hike up a mountain or something but it it is is that um is that fun and they're looking forward to it not like dreading it and um and it's also more social so I try and do more of these trips with other people and um now with corona this year we and no travel allowed is great because i've been exploring my back garden basically there we didn't have a, a full lockdown in switzerland we were able to to ride pretty much not quite everywhere but obviously you have to be super you have to be super careful with hygiene and stuff and staying away from people but basically in the spring i did lots of huge rides and um and we'd we'd stop and make coffee on little stoves and take our own aeropress and local coffee and and have a coffee stop like, in the middle of nowhere it was so much fun no, it's and cool. it just yeah it's what I always wanted from my sport because I always I wanted to be a mountaineer or something or a runner and now I feel like the this off-road biking I wouldn't call it mountain biking because I don't really I don't have a mountain bike but but um this kind of biking in the mountains is for me the kind of adventurous side of cycling and uh yeah so actually we can say that you You actually swap a couple of things. So you swapped uh, your interval training with your exploration rides, and you swapped yeah. your power meter with a coffee stove. Oh, I always had coffee stops. No, no, I'm afraid coffee stop. Even when I was pro, everyone said, "Oh, you don't stop for coffee." Yeah, okay. I stopped for coffee, and Absolutely. it was um, uh, the power meter. I just, I just, I think you can ride on feel. I mean, 
mm-hmm. you know when you're tired because you're tired right and I don't wear a heart rate monitor strap anymore either because it stopped working and I couldn't be, I put new batteries and it still didn't work and I just got annoyed so I didn't bother <laughs> <laughs> okay and I mean you know what I mean the metrics if you want if, if I was racing at the, at the really top level if I wanted to go back into the Taiwan KOM again then I would train seriously and yeah I'd probably use a power meter and but you know I don't I don't need to do that anymore so so why you know it you can also I think maybe I just needed a bit of a bit of kind of freedom from all that stuff. We, I think we make the mistake in cycling a lot of thinking that just because you measure something, it's important. Because in cycling, you can you know got power meters and heart rate monitors and everything, and and the, because a metric is measurable, it is important. But there are some things that you can't measure that are more important, like how you feel or um, how happy you are or um, whether you're looking forward to training or not. And you can give it a score, and you can put it all in training peaks, and you can. But TSS, just because it's it's a clever formula, doesn't mean it's the only thing that matters. And I think that um, it's important. Some, you know, I just think that other things are more important for me. And um, and that's another thing from you know, in running, you we don't really have effective power meters in running yet. So in running, you have to you have to base it on feel often and say, well, that run was definitely TSS two hundred because I'm knackered now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, that's um, I just I just want things to be a bit more relaxed. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, makes makes completely makes completely sense. Even if it doesn't uh, look re- really, really relaxing, because okay, still fast forward from the further till last week when yes. you took part to the Hop One Thousand L. I would say that the Hop One Thousand, I don't know, seems everything but relaxing, <laughs> or maybe it does. I don't know. I never took part of it. Tell us a bit the story, <laughs> actually. We probably all know the story. We followed you on social media. We followed you as well <laughs> on dot watchers and everything. We know that something weird happened, still a mechanical. But how was it? How did you decide to go to the Hope 1000? And yeah, let's start from here and then we will continue on. How was it? Um, I So I had heard about it because I live in Switzerland. And then um, after further, I... I um, I spoke to... I got in touch somehow with Lael Wilcox. So she was in Switzerland visiting... Vili Felix, who organizes the Hope 1000, and they, they're in touch because she did the Hope 1000 uh, a few years ago. And I went for a ride with her, which obviously is amazing. Like, I got to ride with this hero, and um, they say, Never meet your heroes, but she's one that is worth meeting. She's awesome. And we had just a really long ride together where we talked about loads of things. Um, and she's, she's quite inspirational, and, and we agree on lots of stuff, I think. Um, and she told me about the race, and so I signed up because it just sounded brilliant. But I never wanted certainly this year I didn't want to kind of race it, race it. Um, because, well, firstly, I don't have a mountain bike. I, I was, I was planning to get one, but because of, of the, the virus lockdown and things, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get hold of one basically. And I could have done, but only at the last minute. And, and it, you don't want to ride a new bike just before a race. And, um, and anyway, my, my bike, mountain biker skills aren't very good. And so I think to, to, to do that race properly, you have to be able to descend on a mountain bike pretty well. Um, so I wanted to just ride it and sort of, it was, it was a week's holiday. Like I had a week, I had nine days and I wanted to just ride it and, um, and experience it and get in the flow and this kind of, this happy place that I felt that I experienced in further. Um, and, uh, and I would have had no chance at the front. Like the guys at the front were, they were so fast this year. It was really, was a really impressive. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, but I think, and, and so for me, yeah, I, I went to it not really knowing what to expect and um, a bit nervous, to be honest. And and then I was really, really happy. I mean, 
yeah, it was wet on the first day. I was covered in cow shit. Um, everything hurt after two days. I had a mechanical that lost me a day, basically. But I was never, I was never unhappy. Like it was where I wanted to be, and um, I was a. I realized that the, the what I do not like is lunchtime. Lunchtime kills me. And okay. Yeah, if I ever do that again, I'm going to sleep at lunchtime. Okay. <laughs> it sucks. Okay. Okay. Basically. <laughs> Yeah, I can do. I can cope with midnight way better than I can cope with lunchtime. The high sun, I do not like it. Um, okay. And that was the only time I was a bit grouchy was when it was hot and um, and my feet hurt and my my butt hurt and I yeah. But it passed. So um, one day I had a bit of a nap and that was really helpful. But yeah, so I went I went to it not knowing what I was going to do. Um, I just wanted to ride all day and see where I got to really. Um, and what I learned is that if you want to race Hope 1000, you have to know the course and you have to you have to really ride <laughs> on the first day. Um, I stopped after 100k for a or 110k for a croissant, two croissants and a and a coffee. Typical. Uh, I, yeah, I stopped at a supermarket that had the slowest queue in the world, and it drove me nuts. But I was like, yeah, it's okay. I'm not racing. So there are all these people who were quite a lot slower than me, and I'd keep seeing them again and again. They're like. What happened? Did you get lost? Like, no, I stopped for coffee again. <laughs> and they thought I was mad. And if you look at if you look at my moving time on the tracker, it was pathetic. Like, I did. I think the longest day I, I actually moved for was eighteen hours. Um, and then the other days I was just stopping for coffee. I was taking selfies. I was taking photos. I was looking at my phone. I was Instagramming. And if you want to ride it properly, you do not stop and look at your phone. And if you stop for coffee, you drink it on the bike. And you certainly don't sit down at a cafe with a sandwich and you know, you eat everything while you're moving. And that's something that I didn't want to stress about last week. I was on holiday. I don't have that much holiday. I wanted to enjoy it. And um, what I do regret um, is that I didn't sleep enough because of all the time I wasted on the bike, I still only slept for four hours a night and that kills you. So, yeah. Yeah. But if you but, think that yeah. actually people like uh, Sufyan, he's left for, I think, three hours in total, it's still a good amount. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And but of course, I mean, if you, I'm not. I mean, it's, it, it's incredible. It's not incredible. It's that makes it sound bad. It's amazing what the guys at the front did. But but the, if you're only doing only doing it for three and a half days, three and a half days of no sleep, I think I could do that too. Okay. If I started, if I started with lots of sleep, unfortunately, I started already sleep deprived because of work and stress and sorting my bike out. And um, but if you. But if you go for five days or two weeks, you can't not sleep for two weeks. It kills you. So um, I, you have to do it. If you're going to use that tactic, you have to finish fast. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but actually I would consider, uh, I want to put a couple of consideration here about the hope one. Ah, no, first of all, maybe it's a good idea uh, to say that. So if nobody, if anybody is not familiar, I don't think so. But if anybody is not familiar with hope 1000, it is this amazing course that is yeah. set up by Felix, of course. And it starts from the northeast part of Switzerland. So the Combalence Lake and it arrives till Montreux, where there is this statue amazing of Freddie Mercury. Uh, that's yeah. the way it goes mostly mostly uphill in a lot of mountains well and uh, downhill downhill and downhill of course <laughs> yeah i yeah. keep on not considering it just because i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> me too me too <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah it goes up and down in this off-road amazing landscape and uh, it's really something that anybody at least should go uh, even just bits bit segments some kind of small segments of the race because it's really 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 amazing and it's completely rough it's pretty pretty rough 
And usually people, I think that the record is what set up this year from Joe and it was around three days, more or less. But still three it's three. Three days, 10 hours, yeah. Absolutely. It's something really, yeah. anyway, it's really tough because you think, okay, it's going to be only three hours of riding. Yeah, of course, but you're doing 30,000. I don't know many, but a yeah. lot of elevation. It's really... 30,000 really... in three days is insane. Insane, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and the bike, if you if you you got to choose between... As, as lightweight as possible or a mountain bike that can cope with the technical stuff and um, the downhills and it's a real compromise because there's quite a lot of easy riding there's a fair bit of road and do you want to carry that heavy bike up all those meters of climb just to be able to do a few descents well i lost so much time on the descents because <laughs> i had to walk down them on a, on a gravel bike so yeah it's, it's a it's an amazing challenge and it and it's a it's an amazing way to see switzerland as well it's um oh, yeah it's truly beautiful and the great thing about one of the one of the many great things about Switzerland is that you there are lots of um, little village shops and cafes and bakeries. So it's not like riding through the Rockies where you have to carry all your food for five days or something. Like you can always, I basically, I I had like three croissants a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good average. The, the only time I had to have dinner from a vending machine one night in Lenk. Okay. I got there at ten p.m. and there were no restaurants open, but there was a dairy vending machine. Like you could buy cheese from a vending machine. I mean. And my ho- I booked a cheap hotel room and they gave me some stale bread and some apple. And so I had a cheese and apple sandwich. I mean, it was proper gourmet, despite being basically vending machine dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the amazing thing, you know, this kind of amazing vending machine that you can find probably here, only here, where you can buy, I don't know, food or homemade pesto or, uh, I yes. don't know, grape juice, all this milk. kind of amazing thing. Yeah. Milk, absolutely. Fresh milk yeah. straight away from the vending machine. It's great. It's yeah. really amazing. It's something special. It's really something special. But I truly believe that actually it's also, I don't know, just correct me if I'm wrong and tell me your feeling on that. It's also um, a race that I see, and I go back to the first statement that you've made, it's pretty relaxing because... And this, you can understand from how many cool stories happen. For example, exactly, the winner, Joe, that he just, yeah. uh, something like he broke completely his bike and then well, he borrowed yeah. another one and he finished yeah, with it's that. Su- it's such a nice story. He he didn't break it. Like someone drove into him and broke ah, his bike. He was okay. luckily okay. And then someone, he was in a village and, and a lady said, oh, you can borrow my bike. And so he borrowed this piece of, shit mountain bike like i don't know how long it had been in the cellar but you know it wasn't a race bike and he had to use his cable ties to attach the bottle cages to the bike and he did the last 130k on this borrowed bike and still still broke the record and and he's such a nice guy that he he went back obviously with this lady's bike and took her a present and he waited on the course when i came through and a few others came through and gave us like a cheer and took photos and sent me the photos later like that's the kind of spirit that I think that you don't, yeah, that's the kind of spirit that you see in ultra running and in, and in, and this kind of crazy bikepacking events, ultra cycling, because you know what? Everyone, everyone suffers wherever they are in the event. And I think there's, it brings, it brings people together, even though they're riding separately, it, people, it, there's this real spirit of community and support. And I, I really like it. Um, and when, when someone who's just, achieve that amazing record it's still got the time and patience to go out and stand on the course and cheer people on i just think it's lovely it is and um and it i yeah and the other the other thing it shows is that they're like the random acts of kindness that you 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 experience on the way um like for me when i when my mechanical happened so the the gears on my bike just suddenly stopped working i had i'd chosen to use di2 um which is a risk and i, I knew it was a risk um but i i have small hands and it's um it it uh it makes shifting just so much easier and it just suddenly on day two just stopped working and 
I thought that the the cable had disconnected from the battery in the in the in the seat tube because um, I knew the cable was a bit short. So I took it all out. I spent literally hours getting the cable back out because um, of course it's a bit short, so you couldn't get it out of the seat tube. Anyway, real pain in the ass. Finally um, got it all connected. Still didn't work. So I had to ride on single speed um, over the next two climbs. Found a mechanic on a Sunday night. He answered his phone. He thought he'd fixed it. The next day, it still didn't work. So I rode another 50k single speed. Um, I lost basically a day on on trying to fix it and then going crazy slow because of the, the gearing. But but the, the, it was the kindness of like I was by the roadside for three hours and this this guy offered to lend me his toolkit. This, this guy called um called Teo in the village of Alptal just saw that I was struggling. I said, "Well, you can't help me. It's not allowed under the rules." But um. But but he said, oh, you know, I would lend my tools to anyone. So he lent me his tools so I could, which made it a lot easier than with a multi-tool. Um, I could have done it with a multi-tool, but it was damn sight easier with a proper um, proper tools. And um, and then, uh, you know, these people who just, they're so, you, you meet these people who are just so kind. And, and um, I think all the interactions you have on those kind of events are just so positive because you're on your own for hours and hours and then, someone smiles at you when they sell you a pizza and it makes you so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pizza seems like it was actually kind of a constant for you, right? Remember the picture <laughs> on the Instagram of you eating a pizza yeah. at the end of the first day? Sadly not. So I had mm. promised myself that I would eat pizza every day. I'm not actually a pizza obsessive, but um, it's the kind of thing that I really crave after a long day's riding because it's salty. It's it, it's really palatable. Like, it's really delicious. Um, it's got lots of carbohydrate and you need the calories. Like, I worked out on the first day that I ate 4,000 calories and that's only probably half what I needed. So, you know, you could, I could have eaten two pizzas a day and still, still been hungry. Um, but I only found pizza on day one and I think day three. So that was, that was a bit sad. Um, I had to have pasta one night and had to have, yeah, a sandwich from a vending machine another night. And on the last night I just ate M&Ms. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it's kind of a treat anyways to have something like this. My friend, Bas, Bas Hotguns, that he said that actually you have to put together something like, I don't know, pistachios or nuts together with M&Ms. So you combine uh, salty and uh, uh, sweet together and it's really, yes, it's really yeah. good, right? Yeah, definitely. I think I think most people crave salt, especially when it's hot. You just need you need the salt replacement. Um, yeah, um, I, I just crave peanut butter actually, but... I didn't want to buy him carry a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> crisps, crisps are great. Yeah, add crisps, everything. I mean, um, the, for the American English speakers, that's potato chips. But chips, yeah, uh, yeah. For me, it's crisps because I'm yeah. English. Uh, yeah, if you add crisps to a sandwich, it really helps because it's salty and crunchy and delicious. Uh, of course, the difficulty is when you get home and you're no longer riding for twelve or eighteen hours a day to try and reduce the amount you eat to a normal amount again. <laughs> I don't need to be eating two pizzas a day now. So. Or yeah. five different Snickers, right? No. Oh, the Snickers. That's the other thing. So Snickers are great because they're a bit salty and they've got peanuts in. And and I, I set off with five Snickers and then I bought six more because I was worried I'd get hungry. Okay. But I got to the end and I still had two Snickers left. So that means that I carried two Snickers. That's 100 grams of Snicker. Mm-hmm. All those meters of climb, 30,000 meters of climb, I should do the maths and work out how much energy just carrying that extra 100 grams. And bear in mind how much you pay on a bike to save 100 grams. I was carrying 100 grams for nothing. Um, very annoying in retrospect. So I won't, next time I'm going to eat the Snickers and then just buy them when I need them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you brought with you 11 Snickers in total? Uh, started with five and then bought six more. Six I, th- more. I, never carried more I never carried more than 
nine because i've already eaten a few obviously yeah no it makes sense also because at a certain point if you have all these stock of sneakers on your bicycle you won't eat them all and it's not probably the best right no you don't it's funny I, I, there's only so much snicker i can do oh, okay um at a time like is it was my, t my by the by like day three my teeth were actually hurting because of all the sugar from the snickerses and the other things and i um i started craving fruit so what i would do is buy grapes before the long climbs because there's these little village shops called volks that are open and i would buy 500 grams of grapes and put them in my little feed bag on the handlebars and then put some in my pocket and then i was allowed a grape every every even minute and then every odd minute i would have a sip of water and try and wash my mouth out to try and help my teeth because I'm very conscious that I don't want my teeth to be damaged by all this sugar from days and days of racing. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you brush your teeth, but not, you know, only twice a day. And, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. it's, uh, no, it's completely clear. Um, what they saw actually, because of course I was following you in your social media thing, um, two things were something that really hit me a lot. And the first one was actually yourself saying that you were moving from really competing in the race and then finishing because of your mechanical and everything and moving on the direction of uh, just riding the track and being happy for that and something I can enjoy yeah. in the landscape and whatever, you still finish it in six days. So it's pretty decent. Even if you have to withdraw yourself from the race because you borrowed the bike, right? Yeah. Um, this was one thing. And the other thing I remember, I still remember your last picture about uh, the, the Hope 1000, the race, where you're saying that even if you feel something like um, superficial, uncomfortable in this kind of situation, because everything hurts, uh, maybe you don't smell so good, uh, maybe you don't sleep <laughs> enough, maybe you didn't eat whatever you wanted to eat, you don't eat healthy, let's put it in this way, but still, in the inner part of your soul and in your life, you really enjoy it. So tell us more about this kind of, this phase of enjoyment that actually made you anyways continue till the end, even if your race was over, but still for enjoying the event, for enjoying the feelings, for enjoying the riding on the mountains. Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing because um, it, it sounds really gross. Like I wore the same kit for six days and I didn't, I did actually wash it one night, but normally I was, I was planning to not wash my, my cycling kit at all. And I would never, ever ride at home in dirty kit like it's just disgusting like why would you i've got a washing machine i've got more than enough amazing quality kit and and it's it's like a deliberate decision to like embrace embrace the kind of filth and you've got to make life about me it's about making things as simple as possible and i carried very minimal kit um i didn't take a tent i had just a sleeping bag i had no mat um so i mean i was I know that in Switzerland you can always find a, a roof or a hut or something to, to shelter under. And, and it's about like just life being very simple. And, and at first it's a bit gross, like the dirty clothes and the, the stink and, um, and everything hurts, you know, like my feet were so painful and my knees even started hurting and my wrists and my hands. And, um, and of course your, your, your backside really hurts from sitting too long in the saddle, but it's, it is it is it is really superficial and and it's it's almost like um i you could probably do it a lot quicker with meditation but you learn to to kind of distance yourself from the the superficial discomfort and think well does it really matter mm -hmm. no i'm still moving forward i'm still eating i'm still happy and and uh, and in the other you know it is it is at most just discomfort like obviously if anyone has a serious injury they should definitely stop and find a doctor but i didn't have an injury i was just it's just discomfort and 
people go through a lot more than that and 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 cope with it and it and and it's um it, it's a it's it's kind of it's very calming to think you know you kind of you kind of check yourself up and down and everything hurts and everything stinks and you think yeah but how much of it really matters no no it's all superficial i'm fine i'm gonna keep moving and um and that's very it's, it, it makes you happy actually <laughs> and i you know there are people who are who are sick or who don't have any choice in how they suffer and when we do we do crazy sporting events like this like it is it's our decision to take on that challenge and i i don't like calling it suffering or or pain because i think that sounds um it well it just sounds too negative and it sounds too um like like some kind of martyrdom well no no one forces you to do the hope 1000 it was you know or any other bike event you know you choose to do it and it's your decision to take on that discomfort and so you either enjoy it or you just go home and shut up like you've got to be you've got to embrace it i think and and i think that it, it would be it would be insulting to the people in this world who don't get to choose how they suffer to call it suffering i think we should call it mild discomfort <laughs> yeah yeah no, no, <laughs> and that's what it is yeah. you know um and yeah and uh i think and it's also in terms of stress i mean the physical stress is fairly high but when i compare it to the mental stress of racing road bikes in a in a peloton for me it doesn't compare like the only things you have to, you really worry about is if you know a, a bad crash would be bad or getting stuck in a thunderstorm on a mountain top which was a which happened on the last the last night for me oh. you know really really dangerous things you have to be careful about but other than that you know what you're just riding your bike and 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 it's it's so different from when I compare it to the stress of being on the start ramp of an Olympic time trial with millions of people watching you and if you fuck up it's your whole career you know if you if you don't win then then it's a disaster kind of thing in your head anyway it doesn't really matter but you know Oh, the mental is mentally, it's it's so different and it's so much better. <laughs> I'd so much rather ride through the night and eat only M and M's for a day than than be on that start ramp again. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. But you never felt so in danger in the both of the races. I mean, especially in this Hop One Thousand. Uh, apart from the thunderstorm of the last night, I don't know, uh, wild animals or no. the problem with the mechanical downhills or. Um. No, I mean, animals, I mean, I do get scared of the dark. So there was a point when I was riding up Grosse Scheidegg at midnight and obviously I've got a head torch and a bike light, but, you know, you can't see what's beyond the light, you know, what's in the darkness lurking in the shadows. And my, I've got great imaginations. So I was imagining wolves and, and, and also you can see lots of eyes because there are cats and foxes and things. And so I was imagining the wolves, but I also thought, well, you know, the wolves need dinner as well. <laughs> so it wouldn't be the worst way to go. Um, I'm joking, but you, I think embracing and like challenging those fears is, is a good part of it. And there's nothing in, in Switzerland, there is nothing to seriously be afraid of. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, the one thing that I would say, and I, this isn't just for women, but for men as well, the, the, the thing with the tracking app is that um, obviously someone, anyone can track you where you are. And that made me a little bit nervous about sleeping rough. Um, so I made sure that I always, when I did bivy out, I bivied on the edge of villages um, or near a hotel. And it sounds crazy, but if you're scared anyway, um, it doesn't help to think that people could 
could basically find you that you don't know. So I, um, I don't want to, I'm not trying to sound scaremonger. I'm just saying that like it, I, I did consider it as a, as a legitimate fear. And I realized that the way to deal with it is to camp near a hotel so that if someone like, obviously no one was stalking me, but if they were, they wouldn't know, they would expect I was in the hotel. So you, you kind of feel a bit more safe then. And, um, yeah. And that was the only, and then the, yeah, the last night it was getting, it was close to midnight and there was this huge thunderstorm rolled in from, from Lac Le Mans and, and I thought it was going to stay far away. And then it got closer and closer and I was still at 1500 meters and I couldn't see the path anymore. And, and I was just like, it's, it's dangerous to be up on the top of a hill in a storm. And I didn't really want to get soaked in a downpour. So I ran, I literally ran off the mountain and found a playground with a climbing frame so I could like hide under the climbing frame from the rain until the storm passed and then carry on at three in the morning yeah 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 yeah. so yeah there are still memories so something that actually yeah. will will keep you awake that's the thing that I would consider yeah. just something like because you need to be aware of the ways as you were saying you are up there you are in high mountains everything can happen up to the mountains so yeah you have to be conscious of what you are doing yeah Definitely. Um, I want to just ask you another couple of questions. And uh, one is referred to the community itself and also yeah. into the presence and into the visibility of women into this kind of race, of big part of the society, uh, sorry, on the community. Uh, you mentioned before Lael. She's, of course, she's incredible, really yes. strong. Last year, Fiona uh, won the TCR as well. Yes, How do and you I met Fiona last year as well, like... I, last year was a great year for meeting heroes. I met yeah. Fiona in November and another hero of mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where did you meet her? I met her in London, oh. um, which is a place that neither of us like. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> okay. were, um, but we were both invited to the launch of the TCR, um, so that uh, because we both um, were riding a Kinesis bike. So um, yeah, and so I met her there and. I hate, I'll be honest, I was born in London and I hate it. It's stressful and I hate flying there. I hate traveling with a bike in London, um, but it was worth it to meet the cool people at, um, of the TCR and, and Fiona especially. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's it's really cool actually that this kind of thing happened into the movement last year. And how do you think actually, uh, do you think that this situation is okay or there's still some room for development or getting more women involved in bikepacking events, adventure like these events and long distance? And yeah, these kind of events where you can see that really women physically can perform better than men even if the majority of people that are riding those are men yeah definitely and i i think it is um the, the participation of women in, in this kind of thing is growing hugely and i i honestly think that the off-road bikepacking scene is a bit more attractive to women than maybe pure road cycling because um it's it's a more it's a more graded scene it's less cliquey you know, you know how in road cycling they have these these velominati rules or whatever they call them. I hate it. I I hate them. Mm. I, I if I can just swear again, I think they are f fucking rude. Like they're just it, it's like it just stinks of elitism and exclusivism, and you've got to look a certain way, and you've got to have a certain amount of money. And and if I can go back to when I started road cycling, one of the first club rides I went on. This most people were super friendly, but one guy said to me, "Oh, your socks don't match your handlebar tape or something like." like I had the wrong kit on and, 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 um, or I was wearing low socks or something. And I was like, I don't know, like I've got socks on, what's the problem? And, and it just like, that kind of thing is, is unnecessary. And 
In bikepacking, you know what? You can turn up wearing a t-shirt, you can wear a skirt, you can wear sandals or flip-flops or trainers. No, no one actually, you know, you see this huge range of kit and friendliness and welcomingness. And like I said earlier in the in the podcast, like, everyone's a bit weird. There's no, there's no uniform and, 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 and there's no... There's no exclusivity, and I think that it's also um, getting away from roads is, is really attractive to a lot of people. And women, most of the surveys show that women are slightly more afraid of the traffic than men, so getting away from traffic off-road is a good thing. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, bikepacking, whether it's a race or an event or just a ride, um, there's no women's categories and men's categories. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, oh, you know, here's the course. Go and do it. And most of the events are... Or anyway, they're amateur. There's no prize money. There's no start money, um, and that's I think that's a real positive thing. Like the, you know, so many people in road cycling they worship the history of the sport, like oh the Tour de France and Flanders and and all these, you know, Paris Roubaix, and yeah, that history is great. But has anyone ever stopped to think that a lot of that history totally excludes all women? Like I, when I started cycling, I was a fan of the Tour de France too, but I wanted to ride it and. You know what? Now I I couldn't give less of a shit about the Tour de France because how dare they not have a women's race, a proper women's race after all these years? They they're stuck so in ancient history where they kind of pretend that women can't do it. Like, of course women can do it, and and bikepacking doesn't have that problem. It just you know treats everyone just like a human, and you know you're welcome. And the only rule, there's the only rule is don't be a dick, <laughs> and, and I think that's great. And um. So I think I think bikepacking is a really welcoming a welcoming sport for a lot of people, and I think I think that there's um I also think that it's very empowering for women. So they're kind of like taking on adventures like that. I find it super empowering and super um, makes me feel stronger and and um and happy. That that's a really great feeling, and um I I'd, I'd love if 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 um if if the kind of the noise that people like me or Catherine or Lael make on social media. Um, if that helps to get more women into the sport and, and help more women to go from, you know, riding to work to riding for a weekend adventure. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to spend my whole life on Instagram, Instagramming, and I feel a bit annoyed at myself that I even bother at all. But if it, if it, if it has a role, if it has a meaning, then it's to help other people, like, take on challenges as well. And it doesn't have to be a thousand K. Obviously, you know, a challenge is whatever it means to you. It can be... 10k or 5k it doesn't matter and I I think that um there's a I I see so many women taking on challenges like that and really um enjoying it and profiting from it and um and I I love it I love watching that it's really encouraging um no yeah it makes a lot of sense and actually as you were saying whatever can be done whatever we can do in order to get more women into the sport, everybody into a sport, whatever, because yeah. if you're putting rules, you were mentioning before the Veluminati or whatever it is, if you put uh. rules, you are just excluding people. The point is that yeah. the cool thing to being on the bike, at least for me, I'm going to talk about myself now, uh, the yeah. cool thing to be on the bicycle is be outside with people that are completely diverse from me if i wanted to say yeah. all the time with my schoolmates or with um i don't know with the people yes. that i work with or whatever i would have stayed with them the thing that i like actually exactly. being outside is being the weirdo with a really weird kit <laughs> or with a really weird bike with stickers all over my helmet 
And on the other side, yeah. still talking with somebody here in Zurich is pretty common. Uh, going working, uh, going on a bike with somebody who is a banker with completely different studies, background or whatever, but still being out and enjoying the outdoor. And if I can yes. say something on top of that, I don't know why, but I really feel that the community of people that ride the bike off a road probably with gravity is a bit better even than but still mountain biking or whatever it's way more easy going than the road cycle yes. themselves because yeah, yeah. i don't know because probably they are less stylish you're covering mud anyway so you don't care about your kit or how light is your bike because anyways or you need to go down uh, down hill or you just need to push up there um uphill and it's gonna be great on this way but I don't know, I just feel like, okay, why don't we just step back and relax and do something to enjoy yeah. your life, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's, yeah, and that's, I think that what, gra I hate the word gravel bike because it sounds like, it's not, I mean, it's not just for riding on gravel, <laughs> but um, but I think the gravel cycling has kind of bridged the gap between road and, and mountain biking. And it's, it means that now cycling, I, I'd like, I'd like there to be fewer categories, like just, it's just cycling, right? It's, two wheels normally maybe sometimes three sometimes one and um and and propelling yourself with your own energy and um gravel like with my my off-road gravel bike i can basically take it anywhere and it's pretty good on the road and i think that you know yeah gravel bikes have made, made it now it's just, it's just a palette of cycling like choose a bike um and you can you don't have to have one of every bike either you can you can get one bike that does lots of things <laughs> which is yeah. cool yeah. Yeah. The point is that the thing that I'm saying all the time talking about that segmentation is made for marketing. So you segment yes. a big yes. chunk yeah. just to sell more things. For me, cycling is cycling, going out. If it's an e-bike, if it's a road bike, if it's my commuter bike, if it's whatever, just go out and enjoy. And please don't put yeah. on top of your uniform. I know so many so many scenes and situations and groups that they don't say hi to you if you're not dressed in yes. the proper way. Yeah. That's so bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. hopefully, anyways, hopefully all these kind of things are going to be a bit more as they are into the um, bikepacking events, or anyways, the off-road events, this kind of community event is going to be everything a bit more homogenic and uh, everything is going to be a bit more funny also to ride and also people can enjoy a bit yeah. more. Also, the pro will enjoy a bit more of being out on the bike without having all the time to represent something or represent sponsors or stuff. Yes, that's, yeah. Cool. I just want to ask you the last question, Emma. Yes. I want to ask you about the future. And I will complete the questions into uh, something a, a little bit more big and broad and probably a bit more complex. Seems like we are not going to see you in this close future in any of the races, bikepacking ultra races on tarmac, right? So I'm talking about TCR and Transam. No. Seems like you're going a bit more on the car-free no. dirt road. Yeah, I just... um. Yeah, it doesn't appeal at the moment. Um, no, I really cannot imagine. I mean, I have the hugest respect for people who can well who can take on the the TCR, but I I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't think I could ride all night on the road. I I um I found myself falling asleep anyway um, on the bike in Hope One Thousand, and I I think that's super dangerous on the road. I don't trust myself. So no, but you know what? There, there are so many events you can't do them all anyway. So I'm gonna try and stick to the like gravelly off-roady mountainy stuff um and about yeah. anything else any other plan for the future any good run any good trail run any good yeah. baking class yeah. so i mean yeah so i mean since retiring from professional cycling my idea was always to get more seriously into running i mean i i did triathlon and i 
I, it was always a runner next to cycling as well. So I wanted to do, I'm, I'm, um, I'm on the Salomon, the Swiss Salomon team. And um, so the last two years, unfortunately, I got injured with a stress uh, um, fracture in my femur both years. And so I couldn't, couldn't really race how I wanted to running. And this year, most of the races were cancelled, but um, I'm going to like, I'm going to do a bit more running in the second half of the summer and try and qualify for the Golden Trail wow. Series final in the mm-hmm. autumn. Um, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'm not unfortunately a good enough runner. I like, I like cake too much, <laughs> but I love it. And and for me, again, the the, the journey is is the aim. So I'll, I'll do my best. I've got an amazing coach um, called um, Tim Piggott, who's in the UK, and he is brilliant. And um, he supports me in doing the crazy adventures as well as serious training. So yeah, I've got a few um, races coming up. I've got a a marathon in a week and a half, uh, and then a mountain run and uphill run the week after that, and then. I'll do a bit of a training block and try and run a good time on the Siezinal course because it's now turned into a Strava race because of Corona. And then if I am really lucky, I'll qualify for the, um, the Golden Trail Series final. Um, and then, of course, I want to go back and do further as long as the borders are open and that's all okay to go to France. Um, so you're going to go back there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it, in some ways, it'll, obviously, it'll never be the same as last year, but... Um, Camille is awesome. Like he's such a solid guy, and um, and I hope some of the people from last year will come back because it was such a great group of people. And um, I feel like I, I can't really not go back. I mean, I've got to defend. I've got to, get to defend my victory, right? And I, I've, yeah, and um, I've got slightly more of a clue what I'm doing this year. Um, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, maybe that's a handicap. Now I think about it, but um, can be a blocker absolutely. If you know what you are doing, you know what uh, how many my meters or kilometers you have to push the bike. Yeah. I mean, and then I also I had some personal challenges I wanted to do. So obviously, I want to spend every weekend bike packing and running in the mountains. But I wanted to try and do um, like a, a, a road ride with lots of climb in it. I, I hate the word Everesting because um, it's become so trendy. It's a bit like a Villominati thing. But I wouldn't, and so I, I'm not super keen on the Everesting thing. But I wouldn't mind trying to do like I don't know, ten thousand meters of climb in a day. Which is should wow. be doable. I mean, it sh- on a road bike, it should be not easy, but it should be totally doable. And around here, I found a I plotted a really cool route um, close to where I live. Um, I live in between Zug and Zurich, and um, there's a really cool route uh, called the Zugerberg Challenge that um, a local club, the ZZP, have got a challenge on, which is about six thousand meters of climb. And it's you never do the same climb twice. You you go around this big hill and you do every single way up the hill, or twelve ways up the hill, and it adds up to six thousand of climb. And I thought up an, a similar route, uh, a, a similar kind of principle, but with a thousand, ten thousand meters of climb. And I'd like to try that and um, and try and do that. But first, I have to recover from hope because I'm still a bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, it yeah. looks like a lot of plans, but yeah. yeah, recovering first. Yeah, and then the book, of course, I've got to write the book. So yeah, it's busy, busy time. I can't wait for that. First <laughs> of all, I would say yeah. something like number one priority: the book, because I need to read all the anecdotes. I really need to. Do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, can you? Can, maybe this is a good time to ask because I. So for the book, I need a photographer um, to do some food photography for me because my cakes are beautiful, but my iPhone does not do justice to them. So, um, if anyone's listening, who um, uh, it, it would be a paid job, obviously, uh, I'm fully professional, um, but I, I need someone to take really pretty photos of my food. <laughs> so if anyone's anyone's listening and thinks they've got the skill and the camera, please get in touch. You get free cake as well. 
Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Anyways, because actually this ad is into my podcast, I want a bit of free cake as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I need, I need qualified testers, you know, so, you know. Uh, absolutely. I think absolutely. you're qualified, I am yeah. completely in. I yeah. am completely in. Completely. You need to... I can bake some pizza if you want. We can meet. Oh, we can nice. Something like that sounds like a total deal. But you need to check out Instagram and tell me which flavor you want because, I mean, there's like 30 different recipes and um, like you need someone with you like fruity or like savory or, yeah, there's lots of different choices. So, yeah, the chocolate brownies are pretty damn good, I have to say. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm completely sold. I want to have these ones as well as if you had something with peanut butter is another thing that I like a lot. So yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's chocolate brownie muffin ones that have got a peanut butter filling. Wow. They are damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. I mean, they're sort of calorie, calorie bombs, but it's all whole food. Like, um, good for long rides. <laughs> it's perfect after the huge ride of the 10,000 meters uh, climbing yeah. one, right? It's perfect. Yeah. You need something like this in order to yes. accomplish this challenge. You do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we I think we talked about everything. Do you want to add something, Emma? I don't know, whatever. No, I mean, I just generally, I, I just, like, to anyone who's listening who's from the bikepacking community, just to, thanks for being welcoming and nice people. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are people I've forgotten to mention who've helped me out and, um, it's just that I think the community is the, is the real strength of this sport. And even though we often ride alone, I think that, um, the, the real strength in, in, in this, this kind of corner of cycling is how friendly it is and how, um, how happy people are to help and chat. And yeah. So thanks to everyone I've met. It's, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, thank you as well to actually to be with me talking for this solid hour a bit more it was great that you shared all this experience and especially all this passion i don't know now the thing that i'm gonna do i'm gonna close this conversation say goodbye to you obviously and go jump on the bike and do a bit of riding yes. because I really yeah need you it. need to get your ride in yeah. yes 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 absolutely i'm gonna go up to the utterberg <laughs> now because it's time to yeah. go a bit on a dirty climb yeah yeah okay cool well, i hope you don't have too many fusgänger in the way yeah it's no. pretty busy on an evening yeah no yeah it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay. nobody goes there actually only a mountain biker going down to the trail so it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> well, i did my run this morning so i'm having an evening off yeah oh, that's perfect <laughs> cool thanks a lot emma thank you stefano it's been a pleasure thank you pleasure mine ciao 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 i have to say that i'm pretty pretty lucky to have the opportunity to talk with such an amazing character and in general to to these great people that are just riding around and spreading the vibes and the positive vibes and the good attitude of a solid good enjoying bicycle ride well uh, I have to say thank you to Emma to be part of it and to everybody of you who makes this happen thanks to your support and to your subscription and everything and I will continue to do it I will try to inspire people like you by interviewing great heroes like Emma is and lovely people and approachable people and I really 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 I can't wait I can't wait to have a ride with her and to try one of her pocket porridge I really should shout out to Emma shout out to Jan who accomplished the ride that we were talking at the beginning so is ride from Bern to the border to Italy to yes to remember his grandmother his nonna and this amazing tribute ride that he made it was great find it on Instagram her underscore roja is his name and you will find everything and actually stay tuned because a new project from Jan is arriving anyways it's everything now in the description below thanks a lot open and Andy to support this 
podcast as usual and go on opencycles.com to find the new the new charity sales that are there so something like t-shirts and new kits that are there really with environment and charity in mind and thank you for listening and if you want just share this episode with all your friends or with some of your friends that would appreciate it and tell them as well that they can subscribe rate a review on apple Podcasts, subscribe on spotify anyways follow me because we are going to continue with these adventures together I will talk to you soon. I will talk to you next week. Hopefully a great week of rides for you. Bye.